Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Wednesday night edition of the Dunktown Basketball Podcast. Danny joining me once again for the last time in a while, actually, because we're going to get into team previews and he will be viewing the U.S. by rail. Uh, so we got to get to some news here, but then also look at 2018 free agency. Who are the main players who will be free agents? What teams will have space preliminarily, perhaps? Where could some of these big stars end up? We'll talk about that. We're sponsored today by our friends at Ball and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch dot com use that cap space code and get fifty dollars off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the u.s so danny what do we have here news wise right now i think we need to start by saying a fond farewell to our friend rock divers that he has given up personnel control it sounds like lawrence frank is actually going to have it at least for the well, time well, yeah being. i mean i don't know that he even gave it up i think it was taken from him by steve yeah Palmer, oh, that's that's like. that's that's a better way to put it so yeah so he is now he is no longer doing that why you make that sort of a change after the offseason is is sort of interesting considering everything else but doc rivers has a, a, a an unusual legacy in terms of running the team because he got a lot of the big things wrong in my opinion you know because remember they already had blake griffin they already had deandre jordan they and they already had chris paul i believe right am yeah. i remembering yeah and so he a lot of the big things got wrong but got a lot of the small things right i mean i think that from the like the minimum contract element of this i think he did a wonderful job and guys were willing to take less to play in LA to play for Doc Rivers to play on a consistently competitive team but the big stuff is what makes GMs living it's what makes their life it's what makes their job stable and a lot of those things were pretty horribly wrong during his tenure the fact that they never got any contributions at all from a homegrown player during the entire Divers era is really I think what ended up sinking him and of course they're moving into a new position now with Chris Paul no longer in LA I think perhaps it's possible that Paul leaving is what finally shocked Ballmer into action I shouldn't say finally because he just said took over the team really three years ago and gave both Rock and Doc a $10 million a year contract five-year extension basically and so that was really the issue once they weren't able to get the supporting players and of course the health as well but I think everyone realized that even with that big three they just didn't have the ammo around those guys and really the only big transaction that you could say that Rock Divers did well and I'm saying as many times as I can now because we're just not going to have a chance to say it anymore was the sign and trade for J.J. Redick that seemed like it worked out but even 
even then Eric Bledsoe became a very good player in Phoenix right away and then obviously some of the big ones included getting hard capped in that 13-14 season then having to trade away Jared Dudley with a first round pick to Milwaukee in a salary dump he ended up being the type of player that they really could have used over these last three years the trade for Jeff Green giving up a protected first rounder for him obviously worked out pretty poorly as well and I think we've gotten to the point even though you could maybe say that they had a pretty decent offseason if their goal was to just stay as competitive as possible Balmer acknowledged what I think many of us have noticed about coach slash GMs is just that it's not possible for them to be a coach and do all of the nitty-gritty day-to-day stuff you need to do if you are a general manager I think that the coach can be a voice in the room and can be a positive voice in the room. There are there are examples of that all over the league, and like Popovich has a lot of you know has a lot of input into the process in San Antonio. But there are other incredibly capable people there, and the Buck doesn't. I I I don't know exactly. You might know their front office dynamics better than I. But you know it's a different thing with him and RC, and it is probably too much work in the modern era to to have this all together. And when you look at where Doc made his mistakes, a lot of times it was the minutia of the salary cap evaluating college talent like those are the elements that a coach would have the least direct experience with in their day-to-day life running an NBA team yeah also valuing players as well giving out long-term contracts that ended up being bad contracts although I don't know how much blames he deserves for that necessarily because they had guys like Crawford and Austin Rivers come up I mean the, the whole trading for Austin Rivers thing has always been pretty ridiculous frankly well I wasn't as I wasn't as they didn't pay that much for him pay much for him in terms of assets at the time but then giving him the contracts they did and basically kind of moving him into that sort of a role was a problem and you think about kind of where he fits in with this team and that he's making 12 million dollars a year is it, it, it's a little bit rich for his blood considering what he had proven so far and that you know that's the sort of thing that can happen when you have a coach gm who is also a coach gm slash father but anyway i i think that now it's interesting to look at the trend of coach gms we saw for example tom thibodeau in minnesota Stan Van Gundy in Detroit have been and then Popovich are really the only three coaches now who have the final say I think that obviously it is better to not do it that way but sometimes teams feel like hey you know what to get this good of a coach we have to just give them the power that's how this evolves even realizing perhaps that it just is not really the best way to do things you think that the coach can coach up the slightly worse players that the GM will be getting and even there's a report that Adam Silver had made comments to owners about hey maybe this isn't necessarily how you want to do things so i think that we will see fewer of these arrangements going forward they really just have not worked particularly well and i think that really in any organization when you see the coach starting to have personnel power i think that two salient examples jason kidd in milwaukee and scott skiles in orlando when they really got the ear of the owner and began to exert an outsized influence you saw some disastrous personnel moves take place there as well that's a good call do you want to move on to pressure luck with all these minimum contract guys 
Yeah, we can start with Michael Beasley going to the Knicks. Beasley actually has been effective as a scorer off the bench these last few years in large part. And I think the Knicks actually can just use anybody with a heartbeat who can pretend to play on the wing. They do need some more scoring as well, shot creation, since they have absolutely none of that from the point guard position. Really, the only guy on this team that you would even consider a scorer uh, as far as creating their own offense would be Carmelo, and he's not really going to get others involved. So Beasley well, where, will fit right in put, Where would that. you put Hardaway? <laughs> where would you put Hardaway in this? I think he can do that a little bit. In terms of create, Yeah, I think you want him more as kind of a shooter, maybe a second secondary guy he did show some facility in the pick and roll you're right coming down with uh the stretch with atlanta last year 17 million dollar man but yeah I, I think that beasley it can can be useful for them and i think it was ken pelton who made this point that especially if they're going to move on from carmelo that he can be a kind of a, a rep a low level replicant of that i think is fair but to me the more important move that the knicks made was signing ramon sessions ramon sessions disappointed last year on the charlotte hornets he was the jeremy lynn replacement and did not fill that role and now he's probably the best point guard on the knicks signing for the minimum but that's just the way that the Knicks are right now I that is not saying that he is going to start I have no idea I would assume that Ron Baker is considering they just gave him all this money and they have a bunch of twos but Ron Sessions will make them better because they need depth as Neil Kina is going to take some time and Baker is a combo guard probably is his best role yeah Sessions signing for the minimum that of course is all the Knicks have left other than the room exception and a good deal for a guy who got six million last year recall of course that he's coming off that knee surgery and we don't know how healthy he's going to be sessions also is 31 already so it could be especially after that knee surgery uh, which i think was a meniscus trim that he could just be done as an effective nba player and he was kind of on the borderline for that last year with charlotte other news ian clark going to new orleans on a one-year minimum contract Uh, i think that just to get someone who can shoot is something they definitely needed and if they're thinking of clark as someone who's going to play five or ten minutes a game he can do that role however other than shooting and cutting back door he really is well below average in nearly every area he was miscast as this guy who was going to be like a key rotation player especially as a a, a point guard primary ball handler like there was that kind of speculation or rumor that he that he was going to get you know five seven million from a team and be that bench guy he was never that but he can be a, a minimum player that has value and i actually like him playing with drew holiday because clark is shaky on ball defensively and he's really really shaky on ball offensively and so drew holiday can help with some of that but again that's a challenge when they're just going to try to get this to work and new orleans even at this point even even though it's a minimum contract they're still narrow in terms of assets that they still have remaining even roster spots and they're basically devoid of small forwards on this team so i i think that clark is a worthwhile guy at the minimum but they're going to they're going to need to figure something out there because quincy pondexter solomon hill you know those guys can be maybe part of the solution but they're not going to be the whole thing yeah and you never know who might have been available but if they just wanted to get a straight up shooter type of guy i probably would have preferred anthony morrow over clark just because he has a little more size obviously he's really bad defensively as well maybe even mike dunleavy i think is someone who actually could fit in reasonably well there uh but he may not have been interested in going there for the minimum he remains unsigned as well haven't heard anything about him potentially going anywhere frankly so not a ton of shooting out there i understand why they feel like hey we got to get some shooters on this team but i just don't think clark can be a solution because he's also not really like a versatile jump shooter either like he can't come off of screens he's just he's 
He's going to make a wide open shot, but he can't really defend either guard position and he can't dribble. So your holiday maybe could be a good fit, but it's not someone where it's like, all right, we found a guy who's really going to be a quality rotation player. If they expect him to just be, you know, an 11th man, 12th man. Okay, then it's fine. The last guy in the minimum contract section of your program is Luke Babbitt. He jumped from the Miami Heat to the Hawks. I don't see necessarily a a clear fit in terms of minutes for him there. I like I like him next to guys like Deadman. I think that can be good because he spaces the floor so much that it allows the role guys to get some real to get some real space. But they have Arsene Ilyasov already. They paid Arsene Ilyasov a six million dollars, so n- no problem giving him a roster spot. Other than the fact that they already have somebody who kind of does that, and you know, flyers can always be a good thing. So I- I'm okay with this, but I don't love it. No, I, I don't really know why Babbitt would want to go there. Maybe he just literally had no other offers. Uh, I would have thought that. I thought he would actually have an offer from Miami. Yeah, or, or New Orleans even, who where he spent some time and obviously did not impress there, but had a better year in Miami. But at least if I w- would have gone for someone like him over Clark, because at least he has like some modicum of size, even though he's not a, a good defensive player, but just to get someone who can drain some shots. And he has been at least a, a very high quality shooter in his career. But yeah, this is one of the another one of these signings for the Hawks. That like, yeah, in a vacuum seems like good value. Luke Babbitt for the minimum had a nice year last year started part of the year but then you just look at this team and it's like you know what is the point of all this why do you have these guys I guess maybe you can trade them away but they already have Ilyasova they want to get John Collins sometime Prince and Bembry are are supposed to be their guys on the wing they already have Marco Bellinelli as kind of a one-dimensional shooter type of player so he just he's kind of in the mix there I guess but it it doesn't there wasn't really a clear need for him where there might have been on some other teams let's talk about Andrew Wiggins and his situation. Glenn Taylor has given a number of interviews, Sid Hartman out of the Twin Cities, saying that Glenn Taylor has made it clear that he would sign Wiggins to the max. But then Taylor giving some interviews being like, well, you know, he's really going to have to work for it and he's going to have to stay in Minnesota during the off seasons. And we want to let him know that if he, he's got to grow into that max, like he's not good enough right now to deserve it. And it's just very kind of odd commentary, especially before you've actually signed the guy to just say, yeah, we're going to give him the max. Like, what's the point? of that publicly and it does serve as a reminder that although taylor is not all that publicly active in terms of giving interviews he does have some weird foibles at times and you know it's not there's not no connection between his ownership and the fact that they haven't made the playoffs since 2004 yeah that's fair and i've been critical for a long time of teams giving players who are not slam dunk you know the carl anthony towns level player max is a year early just because there is that risk of you know what's going to happen and i i fully expect that they would you know because they have restricted rights they could match on a deal with him and i i see that the pr and the the personal connections with that are always different than the more callous view that we get from the side but with wiggins same reason i criticized the demarcus cousins one and that ended up working out well for sacramento so i can't be i can't be too zealous about it i wouldn't i wouldn't just necessarily i would definitely wouldn't say it publicly before the deal is done and we'll ha- we'll kind of have to see how that works out. We've been getting some noise out of there too, especially in conjunction with these extension talks that the Wolves would not be interested in trading Andrew Wiggins for Kyrie Irving. I would very seriously consider such a trade if I were them, but they apparently don't see it that way. And Kyrie, for his part, has made the statement that even, not the statement, but more leaks, that he will not commit to re-signing two years ahead of time, which wouldn't be very smart anyway, wherever he ends up. And also, this is a 
smart move basically because you want to kind of tank your own trade value as much as possible so they don't have to give up as much to get you like this is a concept that first came to mind for me when Kobe Bryant was talking about wanting to be traded for the Bulls but then he wouldn't get traded unless Lou Aldang was in the deal because he wanted to play with Lou Aldang so if you can reduce your own trade value then your team doesn't have to give up as much to get you and you're on a better team as soon as you arrive Carmelo Anthony did not follow that, but that's the way it works. A, a couple of other smaller things that I, yeah. I thought were were worth noting. Our, our old friend Demo Donatas Modiunis, he signed in China for one year, three million, still slightly less than that offer sheet that, that came around from the Brooklyn Nets. There's also, um, the, the Lakers did something which I actually really liked. They signed three different guys for, I think they're all varying degrees of partial guarantees for that potential last roster spot. They signed Briante Weber, who point guard, who was on the Hornets and the Warriors last year, Steven Zimmerman, second round pick of the Magic in 2016, and then VJ Beecham. So presumably one of those guys or maybe one of the other ones will make the team. But I think that's a good way, especially if you were like a salary cap squad, a good way of using just a little bit more money from your owners to open up a competition. In Memphis, Ben McLemore had surgery on his right foot for a Jones fracture, expected to miss about 12 weeks. That would put him back. I mean, we're basically what two months away from the start of the regular season right now so that would put him back a month into the season another health related blow for the Grizzlies who have never had the greatest record in that regard they can't be blamed for this one obviously McLemore really hasn't gotten any injuries until this year so that was a sign that I liked you were less high on it and uh so it's starting off to be more in your column so far yeah I I try not to do that from an injury perspective unless it's like a clear-cut risk you know this isn't one of those circumstances but yeah and there was some some reporting out there that Isaiah Thomas is expecting to be ready for the start of training camp because he he elected not to have surgery on his, on his hip issue and obviously that's something that's important to the Celtics because the they're going to need to be pushing early to make sure that they lock up the number one seed for the second year in a row. Yeah, you know that's a concern that Thomas did he avoided surgery, but if it was something that didn't require surgery, the fact that he still has to rehab it this hard. And that makes you concerned that maybe there could be a a surgery in the future if he elected not to have it now. And with his free agency and his contract expectations next summer, definitely you might think that it could be affecting that decision who knows though maybe he'll come back and and look great but you do have to imagine when he just rehabbed it that potential for re-injury is out there another guy who has not yet been cleared despite the fact that i don't think he was reported as having had a meniscus repair is joel Embiid, who really has not what was it like beginning of february was the last time he played he had that surgery i want to say in march and so he's saying yeah i'm going to be ready for the start of camp but again a little bit concerning that he and again they're going to take it completely conservatively with him but that he's not ready yet that bothers me a little bit you want to hear like all right he's working out full bore he's taking contact he's doing his normal workouts during the summer and he has not been able to do that and while we're talking about injury prone centers Jan Mahimi is was involved in the John Wall press conference Scott Brooks mentioned that Mahimi had a minor procedure on his knee after the season so we don't really know any more than that about a timeline or anything but anytime you hear about a player who's had knee trouble having a procedure whether it's minor or not you you think about it a little bit do we talk about Gallup breaking his hand already yeah I think we did right I think we did because I think I, I think it came out like right at the end of when we were actually recording a podcast all right we will move on to 2017 free agency momentarily but first this from our friends at Bull and Branch 
You don't need to spend a fortune to get the rest that you need. You can get great sheets with bowl and branch that I happen to think are the most comfortable sheets that I've ever slept on. From a temperature standpoint, I think that they are extremely comfortable. Really, my girlfriend struggles to find the right temperature to sleep at night. She says that these are the best sheets that she's had. And since bowl and branch sells exclusively online, you don't pay that expensive retail markup. So it's half the price and twice the quality. You don't have to take our word for it or even the New York Times, Forbes, and the Wall Street Journal's word for it or the word of thousands of five-star reviews or the word of even three U.S. presidents that have bowl and branch sheets because you can try them for 30 nights and see for yourself. If you're not impressed, you can return them for a full refund. So when you get started with them, you go to ballandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch.com today and you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the U.S. when you use the promo code CAPSPACE, which of course is easy to remember because we discuss it constantly on the show and we also mention it all the time on the program. <laughs> so that's uh, bullandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch.com. Use that cap space code to get $50 off your first set of sheets. And if you don't love them after 30 nights, you can return them for a full refund. Bullandbranch.com, promo code cap space. So let's start off now with the point guards in this 2018 free agency class, beginning with someone that we did not expect to be in that class, Chris Paul, who unexpectedly opted in in Houston. Paul will be eligible still because they moved it up to over 38 instead of over 36. The Rockets have a lot of experience with that over 38 rule now after the Nene fiasco that actually ended up not hurting them too badly. Paul will likely be looking for a five-year contract at the max, which at the projected $102 million cap would be $207 million starting at 35.7 million. I don't see him getting that to be honest though not unless this year is just an absolutely massive success you know if they either win the western conference or just show the signs that they're that they're well in that in that mix just because he won't be able to get that offer anywhere else it's just the way the way bird rights and free agency works but also because he will be on the older side of it and the rockets have enough long-term spending in other places that even though they were aggressively and prudently in some ways because they could have waited a year getting james harden on that long-term deal that would be a ton of money to have committed to two different guys yeah and keep in mind the max is pretty similar to what they are this year a four-year deal for paul at five percent raises rather than the eight percent you can get with bird rights it would be four years 153 million so he would be missing out on that fifth year making 47 million so there might be a way for them to come to an agreement on a five-year deal that's less than the max that still is a better deal for him than it would be to take a four-year deal to go elsewhere. But I think more than the finances, it just depends how well it goes this year. I I think that's going to be the big determinant of whether he's going to stay. If they win and they play well, the Rockets will be more willing to give him more money. And Paul would probably be more likely to take less as well if things go well. Uh, The other guy who is on the board right now currently has a designated player max extension sitting on his desk, but hasn't signed it yet, is Russell Westbrook. Westbrook not only has that uh, designated veteran extension, he also has a player option for next year, which at this point, you know, until it gets replaced with a new contract, that he's almost definitely going to decline. He, if he hits the open market, the reigning MVP at, at this point, maybe not at that point, will be a hugely interesting player before his 30th birthday, immense talent from the LA area. And, you know, there would, there would be a ton of interest in him should he actually make it to the open market. And we don't know because the, 
that's kind of the gamble of getting Paul George as well, that, you know, how he's going to be approaching that and how he's going to be thinking about it if he doesn't sign this extension. And so I, I talked with Royce Young when we did, we did a podcast for Real Jam Radio together at the kind of during the, during the end of the Oklahoma City season, but during the, during the playoff run. And we kind of treated it as like, oh, well, how big are the alarm bells going to be if, if Russ doesn't sign this? And it was like, oh, they'll be pretty big. But then the Paul George thing, I think that kind of gummed up the works a little bit because it changed everybody's expectations. Yeah, so I would still view uh, the way we usually break these up is superstar, star, starter, rotation, and fringe. I would view both Paul and Westbrook still until further notice. Paul will be 33. Westbrook will be 29. I would view them both still in the superstar category. Paul certainly could drop off there. In the star category, Isaiah Thomas, who we talked about earlier, at age 29. And this is a very interesting situation because there aren't that many teams who are going to need points point guards next year but in market contrast to this last year number one this is not considered a point guard heavy draft uh Trayvon Duvall and Colin Sexton both guys that we saw at the hoop summit this year don't look like really transformational type of prospects I I would have them below any of the guys who went in the top 10 except for maybe Neil Aquina this year so there aren't that many and, and that's still only two guys who you're talking about maybe as lottery guys maybe someone else will emerge but probably not and then you don't really have anyone below Thomas that is an established starter in the league now you're going down to Jeremy Lin who has a player option option at age 29 he's making 12 million a year so he could actually opt into that in brooklyn uh, Corey joseph will be only 26 amazingly he is a player option for 7 million as well in indiana be interesting to see whether he opts in or out of that he's going to be competing with darren collison for minutes there and other than that there's an okay group of restricted guys but there's even among those there's nobody where you're like at least as of now this guy is for sure a starting level of player Alfred Payton's probably the closest. He had a really nice second half of the year, but we need to see that continue. Orlando was a team that already lost all the stakes of their season, and Alfred Payton, you know, he'll be in his fourth year. Also, a, a key trend with a lot of these other point guards is that they're basically impossible to sign extension deals to because of other extenuating circumstances. Alfred Payton, just because they don't know how good he is. Dante Exum, because of his injury history and the Jazz, just uncertain future at the position. They have Ricky Rubio for the next two years, but then after that. So it, it's it's crazy. And and then there are all these other kind of like friend like rotation players, but not clear cut starters. Like uh, Marcus Smart is he he's a talented player, but I don't know if he's a point guard in that in that rigid of a sense. He certainly can be a part of a rotation. And will teams be scared off because now that Boston traded away some of their guard depth, he has a clearer role in this team than he did when Avery Bradley was there. Yeah, Smart does have a pretty high cap hold at thirteen million. I wouldn't expect him to get that much unless he somehow has a, an unbelievable year. And with all the ball handlers that they have now all the scores that they have in Boston I wouldn't expect him to get much of a chance to grow offensively which is really where he needs to improve obviously he's a great defensive player his versatility uh, his shooting could get better but in terms of running a pick and roll being able to actually finish at the rim get to the foul line like those are the things that you would want to see growth for him and that's probably not necessarily in the cars this year Milos Teodosic would be a restricted free agent if he declines his player option that player option is only two million guaranteed out of about six million so he might get back on the market and he would have a pretty high qualifying offer as well but probably you would imagine if he plays it all well he'll return to the Clippers and then I do think Exum you mentioned him 
perhaps to get him some security there might be a deal to be struck with he and the jazz where they just take a risk that he could develop into being a pretty good player but you know pay him somewhat less than starter money you know like 10 11 million a year or something like that just based on potential and hope that it works out uh, so i'm actually I think it's a little more possible that they could reach an extension deal if you know and he'll only be I mean, amazingly 22 for free agency next year with four years of experience uh don't give yeah. me the jazz when we do the mock rookie extensions. <laughs> I'll probably be harder on them. <laughs> Even though Feldman's a tough negotiator too. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, the other point guards a note are more, uh, for me, are more on the unrestricted side. Seth Curry will be unrestricted but have early bird rights for the Mavericks. So that gives them some flexibility to sign him. We'll see if that's enough. And then a lot of the guys who, who are on one-year contracts this year, Derek Rose, Rajon Rondo, Raymond Felton, Shane Larkin. But then Tony Parker, we have, We'll just have to see what's left for him, you know, like after he comes back from the yeah. from his injury. And then Tim Frazier, who is on an incredibly team-friendly contract but got traded to the Wizards, hopefully he can elevate his stock more than Brandon Jennings did in that same role at the end of last year. Yeah, Tony Parker will be 36. And there's a few other backup type of guys that are just older jameer nelson devin harris jose calderon michael carter williams will have the umpteenth chance to get a role and try to boost his stock a a little bit let's get to the wings who who are in an interesting group there are guys who offer i think there are more three and d guys out of this group but three superstars available all of whom have player options all of whom seem extremely likely to opt out kevin durant at age 29 with the warriors only making 25 million so you have to imagine he almost certainly will opt out but no reason to think that he would be up for grabs george could really go anywhere there's talk of la obviously lebron james also the lakers hopeful to have two max slots as we'll get to so james at 33 has to start slowing down at some point in theory but the relationships in cleveland by all accounts are not good and then george okc has a chance to sell him reports out of there are varied about you know he's willing to give them a chance he's going to play hard but definitely not the sort of place that you think he envisioned himself before the trade happened and that's exactly why the Lakers potentially clearing two max spots is a danger because you always worry about the team that can be better than the team that you're on. That was how they lost Durant in many ways was that they, they uh, there was a team that was superior that had a better chance of winning a title and OKC, they'll be good this year. I think they'll be very good this year. But if, if the Lakers or somebody else can put together a, a better compilation that takes away one of the arguments they had. The So those are really the, the superstar type guys and it's notable that at least two of them, but pro- probably exactly two of them are seriously considering going somewhere else that is a lot of high-end players and they're both major contributors right now at the starter level the unrestricted market is shallow it's it's not numerous but the players are actually pretty talented Avery Bradley Contavious Caldwell Pope Danny Green are all kind of these and similar defense first but still offensively capable shooting guards they're they're more to me all three of them are more in the 2-1 mold than the 2-3 mold which is what you would love for a a swingman defender but then there's Also, I, I would put Green closer into that category. I think he's he's had some success. I mean, sure. they had him guard Kevin but he's Durant. Al- he's also thirty one though, so we'll have to right. see. He, I mean, that's a concern for him because Avery Bradley's twenty will be twenty seven, and KCP will be twenty five. So you worry about how he's going to slow down. That actually might 
move him a little bit more to the to small forwards just because when guys age sometimes they move down a position in that sort of a way then the other ones as of right now Robert Covington is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year they could agree to a renegotiation extension I am a big proponent of that and then on that line Trevor Reza West Matthews Trevor Reza is going to be 33 West Matthews has a lucrative player option but he very well could decline it maybe more on the idea of getting not a higher annual value but just getting more guaranteed money over multiple seasons and then Wilson Chandler player option kind of similar boat to me to West Matthews where he might not get the same money that he's declining but can get multiple years maybe a situation that he's happier with if for whatever reason he's unhappy in Denver still with with everything that's going on there then the last two of note Mello has that early termination option it's possible he'll be a free agent before then but even then even if he they agree to a buyout I would assume that it, he will be a free agent again in 2018 he'll be 34 and at the same age JJ Redick Redick has a one-year contract with the Philadelphia 76ers he will be back out on the market again yeah most interesting to me will be the player options for Green Wes Matthews Carmelo and Wilson Chandler all guys who are at least 31 or I guess Wes will be 30 but he's got a lot of mileage on him of course with that Achilles injury if I had to guess I mean you could even see Green opting in to that 10 million you know and Matthews is going to get about 18. Wilson Chandler is like 13 or 14. So all those guys are right on the cusp. If it were 2016, it'd be a no-brainer to opt out. 2018 is supposed to be considered even more, and I know you did a piece on this, we can talk about it more, but even tighter of a market than 2017 was. And so we might see some guys who are a little gun-shy here if they have the money and say, hey, you know what, like even someone like KCP who was younger didn't get that much in terms of long-term money. So it'll be interesting to see how good a years these guys have and whether they in fact opt out and if they do not opt out then that market and if Covington renegotiate and extends then you're really talking about Bradley Pope Caldwell Pope and Ariza is really the only guys who can play some defense on the wing and still do anything offensively. And that ties in with another huge story for the free agency in 2018 is that as of right now, and obviously the extension talks haven't happened yet for most of these guys, there are a lot of good restricted guys, but I'm not sure there are any that the team can, teams can rationally expect are going to be moving. So you have Andrew Wiggins at right now. We talked about him in the early part. You know, if he doesn't agree to this, to this extension, he will be eligible at 23. But then the kind of starting caliber group is very strong. Gary Harris, Jabari Parker, Aaron Gordon, Rodney Hood. None of them are superstars or stars and they some of them have high ceilings, but they're just not at this point. Jabari most note has the most note sizable potential but also the biggest injury history. But all those guys, I would be sitting there if I were another team worried that why am I wasting my money on this especially early in the free agency process because all of the their current teams have plenty of incentive to match. Yeah, and those guys, a lot of it's just going to depend on how they evolve. Like Harris, as a 3 and D guy, looks pretty good right now. Aaron Gordon, only 22, is extremely young. When he was drafted, if he plays the four, maybe he can finally have that breakout year. Rodney Hood at 25 is a little older, but if he could stay healthy, he could really be the number one option on the perimeter for the Jazz this year and could really play his way into a very nice contract. And then another guy you can throw into there is Zach Levine as well. There's talk that he might be ready shortly after the season begins he certainly will have plenty of chances to put up numbers but he's a guy who's really relying on his jumper and i've noticed that guys jump shots really can struggle when they're coming back from that acl injury especially a guy like him who relies on getting a lot of rise other restricted guys who who are real interesting josh richardson he is not arenas limited uh 24 in miami 
had kind of a lost year last year with a couple of injuries and then Patrick McCaw you've written about extensively with the Warriors will only be 22 he will be uh, arenas limited those are guys who again have the potential uh, and we're really excited about them but then have to do something this year to prove that they uh can be worth a big contract and Norman Powell's in that group too Powell is probably going to come off the bench with CJ Miles them getting him 25 but a a nice fit for the modern NBA and going to get a bigger opportunity and then the other restricted guys that we should talk about kind of they're not in the same same place but are still going to be important TJ Warren professional scorer still only 24 like he's a guy I guess it's just because his game has seemed kind of old for a little while that that he's still that young same thing with Kyle Anderson also going to be 24 and then Doug McDermott I mean he's kind of one of the forgotten guys to a point in Oklahoma City just because they've added players on top of him but certainly could be a part of their rotation and a part of what makes them good and so all of those guys are going to be in a tough spot because we've seen those non like the non-elite restricted free agents just get squeezed so hard and while some of those guys you know they might get the Tim Hardaway Jr. treatment where one or two teams see them as better than the other ones there is a very significant chance that they'll just be dangling on the vine because the new CBA does not fix the restricted restricted free agent structure yeah and Wiggins as we talked about likely to return to Minnesota getting that full max extension five years and of course under the new cba they are not prohibited from also offering carl towns five years that you can have two designated players in the big category well do we let's talk about some of the other let's talk about some of the other more veteran uh guys just because i think we should some of the rotation guys rudy gay has a player option i do not think he has a lock to decline that there's a you know coming back from an achilles issue underrated chance that he picks it up and messes with san antonio's potential cap space Dwayne wade will be a free agent age 36 don't know what he's going to prioritize is it going to be on a winning team does he want to keep making more money but he'll be i i feel like he'll be a factor in it lou williams should have had a better shot of winning six man of the year this past year probably have a shot again this year he'll be 31 and then boyan bogdanovich will have has a partial guarantee you don't really know with him austin rivers has a player option now that his dad's not running the team we'll have to see how that goes and then there are just a lot of kind of support players we and then what's the a little bit more on the player option side Garrett Temple has one of those player options where it's probably more money than he'd get as an annual value but is he going to decide sort of like Langston Galloway did last year that he'd rather take less money to just not be on the Kings anymore yeah a lot of guys down there and there really there is some depth among those rotation guys will barton a score lou williams like there are guys barton i think is an interesting one who could maybe emerge into a six man a little older at 27 than maybe some would think and there's certainly plenty in the way of veteran scores with the 36 year old wade 37 year old joe johnson gay at 31 if he decides to opt in not a ton of great shooters really we mentioned reddick and then really the only other guy you could put in that category is Wayne Ellington, who, who's really an established off-ball shooter. So that looks like it'll continue to remain at a premium. All right, now we can get to the bigs. And two stars among the unrestricted guys. No superstars, I would say. DeAndre Jordan at 29 has a player option. He, I think, is nearly certain to opt out unless he just has a horrible year. We making about twenty two million on that player option, so I think he'll be opting out. He'll be an interesting test case to see whether he can get the max. He'll have ten years of experience, probably not the thirty five percent max, but maybe could 
get onto a contract you know somewhere in like the 25 million a year range for three or four years but he's a guy who's reliant on athleticism and and maybe not a guy I would be that interested in having for the twilight of his career uh not even the twilight but just sort of the back end of his prime and then DeMarcus Cousins at age 27 it's kind of been out of sight out of mind his free agency again just with the fact that centers are not that sexy right now that he has struggled defensively we'll have to see of course what happens in new orleans but you have to imagine that he will have them over a barrel the same way that drew holiday did this season the other group that has to really hope that that centers are going to be sexy is this is a stacked as of right now restricted free agent class so joel Embiid, clint capella and yusuf nurkic are all normal rookie scale restricted free agents and then nikola Jokic is a fascinating unusual but becoming more usual circumstance because he has a team option at the minimum for next season but like the okc with jeremy grant except that Jokic is way better they can choose to decline that option and make him a restricted free agent so basically they can lock him up for a longer period of time we don't know for sure what the nuggets are going to do in that range but it seems like that security is just the the way to go to make sure that they have him and Jokic is a special talent the you know the real the, the shining light for right now for their franchise so how all that works for all those guys can they extract assets from their current team or will they have to go fend for themselves like Nerlens is doing right now yeah Jokic will have a cap hold at the minimum so we'll talk more about that in the Denver section whether they can use that but I think they almost certainly will decrease decline that just because they want to make sure that they can get him under contract for as long as possible and if you let him get to restricted free agency when a guy is as big of a star as he's looking like if you and don't lock him up if instead you let him get to unrestricted free agency yeah i know having him one more year at the minimum is nice but really too much of a risk when he could just leave instead of just getting locked up so that i fully expect them to make him a restricted free agent next year and bead of course, there have been talks about an extension. I don't know if that's going to happen yet. If I'm the Sixers, I'm absolutely going to wait and see whether he's worth it or not, unless he's going to get a very significant discount, which I don't necessarily see him doing. Maybe he would, but still, I, I would, if he just stays healthy, I would have no problem just paying him the max. And if he doesn't stay healthy, you know, I wouldn't want to pay him more than like probably 10 million a year or something. So there or 15 million a year. So there's, it's just so much depends on what kind of a year he has health wise that I think if I were them, I would not be looking to extend him, especially because they again hope to use cap space next year and they would have about a $7 million difference in his cap hold and what he would make at the max. So if they can get $7 million extra in space and make him prove that he can stay healthy, I wouldn't expect him to uh, reach an extension agreement, at least if I were running the show in Philly. The guy that intrigues me the most of this talented restricted center crop is in terms of the negotiations is Clint Capella because Daryl Morey getting the opportunity to see what the market was this year and while i'm i'm sure they would love to bring clint capella back they do have nene under contract for a few years Capella's a great player who can a great player a great fit for what they're doing and he's 20 you'll be 24 years old so will they play a little bit hardball with him and say we want to see what you can get on the market capella is very good but will he be able to secure that significant offer from someone and then nurkic it's the same sort of thing except that nurkic has maybe a little bit more leverage because portland is so will locked in with everything else and they don't really have other options unless Zach Collins just beasts this year so will Portland get trolled on Nurkic the way that they trolled the Thunder with Ennis Kanter 
Back to the unrestricted guys, LaMarcus Aldridge at 32, another interesting player option guy. His player option is for 22.3 million. Wouldn't shock me if he opts in to that. And I'm not sure, again, for a veteran guy like that, good teams now are kind of running out of cap space, right? If you want to go to a winner, there aren't that many good teams that want to use space on a 32-year-old like him and pay him over $20 million a year but maybe he just doesn't want to be in San Antonio anymore. But he strikes me as a guy where, especially if he doesn't have the greatest year, it could be difficult for him to match that, uh, certainly on an annual basis. Well, and I want to make a quick, point, guy, yeah. a quick point on on a lot of these guys, and I think Will Barton is another prototypical example of this. If players are looking at this market and freaking out, they should do their best to engineer trades to teams that would be more interested in re-signing them than their current one. You know, because those are the circumstances like, let's say I had, I had fake traded with KP, Will Barton to the Wizards for years because they just, they didn't have the space to get anybody else. That was before Otto Porter got his expensive as he did but the idea being that you want to be on a team that a wants you and b can they they're not sacrificing as much to keep you so if lamarcus you know if he ended this year on a different team that might give him more leverage to get a better contract Derek Favors, only 26 is what he's going to be this offseason. Amazing to think of that, given how long he has been around, but struggled so much with injuries last year. If he could just get back to being that player, he could start talking about getting over $20 million a year in free agency. Or he could be a guy who's viewed really as more of a backup at this point. So he's got a lot riding on this year. Brooke Lopez at age 30, I don't know that a ton of teams are going to be really fired up to get him. But potentially, if the Lakers strike out, he's someone who could return there. And then Thad Young will have a player option for about $14 million and will be 30 in the summer of 2018. I think kind of even money on whether he picks that one up or not. We'll see what kind of year he has. He'll have plenty of chances to score this year. And then Dirk Nowitzki, who isn't going anywhere from Dallas, but they have that team option on him that they could decline to pay him more money. But otherwise, they could just pay him $5 million next year, which I think they probably wouldn't mind doing. So I would expect them to pick that up unless uh, something about their discussions, they, they totally strike out in free agency and then they just want to pay him more. Uh, but they won't know that until after uh, the time to take that team option has passed. Beyond those guys, you have a, a group of players that are probably sweating absolute bullets about what happened this year. Deadman, who was in the teeth of that market, has a $7 million player option for next year. Canner has a lucrative player option, could be an unrestricted free agent. Greg Monroe picked up his player option. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cantor will be opting in, by the way. That is my prediction. I think that's a good call. $18 million. I, It's a ton of I mean, money. And, and he'll still be young enough because he'll be 27 if he opts in. He'll still be basically... You know, at that at that range where I don't think he's sacrificing that much by waiting a year for free agency. It's a little bit different than somebody picking up an option at like age 30 or something. Right. Then, so you have Monroe. So you have those three guys that are, are straight fives. And then you have like Mike Muscala, Darrell Arthur, Costa Kufos, another group of player option guys, Kylo Quinn, who are all going to have tough decisions in front of them. And then the other reason why they're going to have tough decisions is just because the big man crop is actually, it's not strong in terms of like really good players but it's strong in terms of guys that i could see as players or teams interpreting as reasonable substitutes so willie reed ed davis channing fry anthony tolliver erson ilyasova david west you know a lot of guys that are good in different ways but i don't see them going like that's our guy and paying them a ton of money because you can just go after somebody else yeah i would expect nearly all these guys jason smith is another one with a player option to opt in uh maybe mike muscala might would be and deadman would be the two 
who you could potentially see opting out but even then i mean i think that both those guys were unrestricted this year and the money credit's only going to get tighter so i wouldn't expect them unless they just have incredible years to opt out so i think there won't necessarily be that many centers on the market with all these player option guys uh, but or traditional bigs because i think they're all really going to be scared uh, essentially of what happened this year the re- the restricted guys julius randall probably heads that rashawn holmes i would probably put as another guy who maybe some might see him the way the bulls saw cristiano felicio this year holmes also has one of those team options in similar fashion to Jokic. the sixers might say he could also just be a candidate for a traditional extension as well where they could offer him up to 120 percent of the average salary they could give him basically up to four years 40 million or so uh and And that uh, wouldn't tie up their cap space either which i think could be appetizing for them yes yeah they could just if he opted in then they could give or or if they opted him in then they could give him the extension starting afterwards or maybe just wait until next year to do it so i would be very surprised if they were to decline that team option and make him a restricted free agent i think they keep him around try to extend him and then if they can't all right you know we lose the guy that's fine we still got another two years of what we think is solid backup center production for the minimum and uh Nemanja Bialica another guy who has disappointed he's gonna be 30 came over when he was 27 so but looking really as more of a backup unjust perhaps that he'll be a restricted free agent and then uh, Montrez Harrell will be 24 with the Clippers I think he has a chance to contribute this year and that's probably it for the rotation guy. This Kuzminskis and Vonley also fall into that category. Vonley's still pretty young at 22, but hasn't shown a ton of signs of figuring it out at, at, at least as a high-level player, maybe as a rotation guy in the regular season. Uh, but he he is someone who could be gettable because they have all these younger bigs coming in behind him. And their team is going to be so expensive. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine them re-signing him. Uh, and in fact, it wouldn't shock me if he, unless he just has some unbelievable year, it wouldn't shock me if they don't even give him a qualifying offer yeah that could happen and and also like i've talked before that ed davis would be a logical dump for them to get all the way under the lecture tax von Ley could be one as well where another team just gets a flyer on him and they have so many guys with especially with collins and swanigan now where yes von Ley provides value but does he really provide that much surplus value over everything else they have all right we'll move on to the teams themselves but first this from our friends at five four club it's possible to find good deals at a bricks and mortar store you got five hours to go do it you gotta cull through all the racks if you want to get something that's on sale they always make it just completely unorganized maybe if you're lucky it'll be organized by size on those sales racks so yeah you can get a couple of things but is it really worth the time when you could go to five four club and get a curated box of two to three items handpicked to match the current season and your style every month they've been helping men with fashion for over 15 years they ship to over 100,000 men every month and they know what they're doing when it comes to style so if you don't that's okay five four club will help you build your wardrobe one month at a time with five four club you get 120 dollars worth of clothes for just 60 dollars a month you can pause or cancel anytime with no commitments and you're not limited to that box of two to three items you can go into their online store where you get 50 percent off items there and access to exclusive members only items free shipping and size exchanges so if you value your time and you want to look good and get some variety some stuff that is curated for you go to 54club.com right now and enter that promo code capspace they'll give you 
you 50% off your first month's package and a free pair of sunglasses. That's 54Club. You spell out the words five and four. 54Club.com. Promo code CAPSPACE. Get 50% off your first package plus that free pair of sunglasses. Once again, 54Club.com. Promo code CAPSPACE. All right, as we've done so often recently, I guess we could get started just by going through an alphabetical order. We'll start with the Hawks here. I have them at likely 16 million in space next year. Uh, they We've included the projected draft picks as well based on kevin pelton's rpm projections oddly the or i shouldn't say oddly but uh the hawks are actually projected to have the number one overall pick and they'll also have a lottery protected first from minnesota and a top three protected first from houston so they've got uh, over 10 million tied up in draft picks they're still going to owe jamal crawford 2.3 million for next year the only real variables they'll have they've almost no free agents among their core guys I'm sorry, actually, I should probably take off Malcolm Delaney's cap hold there because uh, I don't think he'll be a part of their plans. And, and they waived Diamond Stone. So they're actually looking at probably a minimum of 21.5 million in space and then you have the variables of Deadman and Mike Mascala their player options that could get them up to another 11 million or so in space if both of them were to opt out and there are free agents like Bellinelli, Ursan Ilyasova, Delaney as we mentioned I don't see them as necessarily being part of the plan so I, they are not included in that projection with their cap holds. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta has a lot more, they have a lot more variability like that, but low-end variability than for a team that is as non-competitive as they are. Like, that's just the problem. They're not as screwed up kind of in that way as, let's say, Orlando was this year, where they just had way less space than a lot of people thought. But it's, it is going to be hard for them to maximize. Boston, at this point, I think we have to treat them as a presumed luxury taxpayer. They do have Isaiah Thomas on a low cap hold, but they don't have any cap space that they can work with. Their other notable free agents. Marcus Smart will be restricted. Aaron Baines will be unrestricted. Then they have partial guarantee for Abdel Nader. And then and they have some guy, you know, Shane Larkin will be unrestricted and Daniel Tice has a non-guarantee. So they're likely going to have a similar team and then they will have the, they'll have first experience of Danny Ainge using the taxpayer mid-level exception as really being that. And then the Nets pick and possibly the one they get from the Marco Fultz trade as being the limited means that they have to get better. Yeah, I think so. And really the tax is going to be the issue for them. Without Thomas and Smart on the books, they're already basically at the cap. And there could be variation too based on which draft picks they have. They've got that Brooklyn pick outright. They have their own 2018 first. And then there's the possibility of getting that Lakers pick if it falls between two and five. That's not projected to happen right now by KP at least. But that could add, if it's a high pick, you know, another 5 million bucks to their overall salary. And so when you think about it, they're going to pay Thomas and they're already 2 million over the cap before anything for him or smart or a center in terms of like Aaron Baines will be a a free agent. Then they're really going to be pretty well impacted by the tax. I mean, if they're going to pay Thomas the max at 30 million, which is what he's expecting. Now you're already 10 million to the tax and you haven't even brought back smart yet. So it definitely is going to be a factor for them going forward and especially if someone like Jalen Brown really takes a step forward as well they'll probably start to think about well how long do we really want to lock in here if we have to start giving some of these young guys extensions eventually with Thomas but 
for now at least they really will not be players with cat space that would be virtually impossible unless they were really to move probably gordon hayward or al or al horford and neither of those seems particularly likely brooklyn they've eaten into their space quite a bit here with some of the trades that they've made over the last six months or so right i mean so they they added originally it was andrew nicholson and you know he had a sizable contract it looked like it was dead money it already is for the for the portland trailblazers but now alan crab 18 and a half million timothy mozgov 16 million damari carroll 15.4 million jeremy lynn now seems more likely to opt in just because the market is going to be so narrow for guys like him so yeah i mean they're to me it's more in the 16 million type range like that's really where they could be their notable free agents trevor booker quincy AC, Shanka Patrick, Joe Harris, those guys are all worth, worth keeping an eye on. I don't know how into keeping them they're going to be, but remember, Brooklyn doesn't have any picks this year, so they're going to have to squeeze everything out of their assets unless they're going to be super patient and wait another year. They do have the Toronto's pick from that That's Carroll right. deal, which is lottery right. protected. Yeah. Um, it's actually KP caused a little fluff with uh, DeMar DeRozan who was uh, not pleased with his Toronto projection, but that projection actually has him as 15th right now. So they're looking at likely a little over 20 million in space, depending on whether they want to keep AC or Harris's or Kilpatrick's cap hold uh, on the books. Some of the non-guarantees for Dinwiddie and Whitehead, but going to be right around that $20 million range. And that's before anything for Lynn or or Booker, who you imagine would likely move on. Uh, Lynn will have a pretty big cap hold, 15 million. So unlikely to have the cap hold come into play he'll almost certainly get less than that and i think for lynn the decision to opt in or out partly could be based on economics but also remember now they brought in d'angelo russell and he's kind of the same combo guard sort of guy they've got alan crab in as well now karis lavert is a big part of the futures has some redundant skills with lynn as well so it's possible that if russell really plays well and starts a point guard that maybe lynn doesn't start and he says hey i want to go somewhere where i have a chance to to have a larger role especially if they start really moving towards more of a youth movement and brooklyn you would think would probably be happy to let him go if they get into uh 2018-19 and russell is playing well charlotte i mean same story as this year basically meet the new boss same as the old boss they're going to be right at the edge of the luxury tax and presumably they'll be trying to stay under it they'll have their own first round pick again this year free agents michael carter williams who they just signed johnny o'brien and then Travion Graham will be restricted, assuming they pick up his non if they they keep him through his non his guarantee date, and then they'll have you know we'll see where their pick ends up, and then so they'll be largely in the same boat that they were, and it's possible that that could be a time where they consider you know making some larger scale moves to give themselves some breathing room, like maybe not tr- unloading somebody like Marvin Williams all the way, but maybe doing something like what the Alan Crabb deal was, where you get somebody who's worse but makes less money. Yeah, although Williams remains a, a key part of their team i think a lot of it depends how they play this year i mean because right now just in terms of commitments if they throw in their first round draft pick which are projecting to be number 17 overall and they're already within a little over a million bucks of the tax and i mean just to be able to run a team and get some minimum guys and stuff like that they really could be in trouble and this is one of those teams where all the raises from these contracts that they signed 7.5 percent 
for a lot of them howard's at 4.5 percent. that's going up much faster than the 3 million that the cap is projected to go up and so that's why they're in even more difficult luxury tax hell and you know supposedly again they're not really going to pay it they may look to do a salary dump with jeremy lamb maybe he can be rehabilitated enough this year he'll have to play a r- large role as a shooting guard off the bench with the loss of marco bellinelli in the howard trade so maybe he can get built up enough to where it's not impossible to trade him or you could see maybe them trying to move someone like Williams or Kid Gilchrist. Batum is probably untradeable. He's making $22 million this year. That goes up to $27 million in the 2020-21 season. So I think a lot of it is how are they going to play? If they're going to be a solid playoff team, fourth or fifth seed, you know maybe they'll kind of bite the bullet and keep these guys around and move around the margins. If they're going to miss the playoffs again and be this expensive, you have to imagine that changes will probably be coming in a more major way. Maybe they start looking at trading Kemba Walker at that point, who would be in the last year of his deal. How about uh, the Chicago Bulls? Chicago Bulls right now, it looks like they're going to be in the low 40s in terms of cap space. I have it at about 42, but remember, they're also going to be getting a very high draft pick. So that will cut into it significantly. Yes. And then the other thing is if Nikola Mirotic, if, if he, even if he signs a reasonable multi-year deal, any number, as long as they keep him, will will go into that counting. And so that will be a part of it. And their biggest free agent will be Zach Levine. Zach <laughs> Levine is a will be restricted he is extension eligible but you know he'll be making his way back from his ACL tear so I don't know how they're feeling about a potential extension with him so that will also I expect that he will make more than his 9.6 million cap hold so that gets complicated too yeah and there's been a lot of talk from the Bulls about all right you know this is their their plan they wanted to have cap space when no one else did they wanted to see sit out these overheated markets the last two years but they're not going to have that much space really they've had this new Felicio contract on the books if they get that draft pick Levine's cap hold will be 9.6 million even if they don't extend him if they do it's going to get to be even higher and then Miritich you mentioned as well I mean they're they're offering him I think at least 10 million a year that'll probably go on the books so they could very easily get under max space and remember that one of the other things they have is that trade exception for Jimmy Butler that's the way that they they have handled this is to go stay over the cap and use it that way they're not going to use that trade exception on an expiring contract in all likelihood or maybe maybe at least part of it that way and any money that they spent on that would also go into their cap space for next year yeah so they're not as flexible really as you would think and then when you consider that Levine is almost certain to re-sign for more than his cap hold we don't know what will happen with Miritich maybe he'll get traded but they're presumably going to sign some guys in 2018 free agency but not a superstar because they're going to be so bad no superstar is going to want to go there so maybe that's really are they really going to have that much more space going forward in 2019 you know Robin Lopez comes off the books then you could see him maybe as a potential trade candidate but I don't really know where he could be maybe a guy who gets traded to a team as like all right this is a guy who can play he's got two years left on his deal we'll take on your bad contract over the next two years and pick up some assets maybe that could be Lopez's eventual fate same thing perhaps with Miritich if he ever ends up actually getting back into the fold here the Cavaliers wow so they will not have any space of course with the current composition of their roster but if LeBron James comes off the books they would basically be right at the cap and then depending on what they get for Kyrie Irving 
if they trade him into a, a team that has cap space or get back expiring contracts then maybe they could be as much as 20 million under they also have a mon shumpert's contract 11 million player option which he almost certainly you would think would opt into and then kevin love making 24 million could be a trade candidate as well if james were to leave or, or maybe yeah. even before that so they could have a ton of flexibility perhaps to do the same type of rebuild that they did when james left the first time in, in 2010 they could i think the more likely outcome should james leave is that they wait one more year year and then at that point love as a player option don't know what's happening there but also jr smith has a light partial guarantee kyle corver has a light partial guarantee they could have an absolute ton of money that year the only big locked in salary they have for 2019-20 is tristan thompson so if they have to go that route i think they'll wait an extra year also they're not really going to be wooing free agents to to play with either maybe maybe one year of kyrie irving if he's still there or you know the the ghost of lebron james so i think that the waiting might be the the best path for them and 2019-20 will be another another tough year too it looks like right now yeah but not a ton of flexibility to add anything around james fewer to return and they keep this whole team together then you're looking at basically the same issue again they'd already be 17 million of the tax and that would in fact be the repeater tax as well so that's going to continue to be they to get out of that repeater tax clock now they would have to be completely out of the tax for two years they're going to be in the repeater tax until they spend two years totally out of the the tax so maybe especially if they aren't really able to be competitive against the warriors that maybe dan gilbert will just almost be like hey like we've been paying so much money here we're not going to win the championship everyone's just getting older maybe it's almost a blessing in disguise if james leaves and you could finally just stop paying that damn repeater tax dallas their situation is really dependent on two individuals like some of these other teams we've talked about nerlens noel will be under contract for that point i don't expect him to take his qualifying offer you know like that that's just that's a big you know it's possible but it's not it's not it's not likely for an injury prone right. guy exactly uh, and then west matthews has a player option worth 18.6 million so if nerlens takes a lot of money if it takes a lot to bring him back to make him happy they they have leverage but you still have to actually sign the guy and west matthews opts in they won't have much space but if both of those but if if nerlens gets a reasonable contract and west matthews opts out they can actually make some real noise yeah it really gets interesting if matthews were to opt out even if they kept dirk's five million on the books seth curry probably doesn't really do them a ton of good to hold on to his cap hold well maybe it would if they could use his early bird rights his cap hold is pretty small 3.9 million depends what kind of a year he has he might be out of that price range but probably not uh he's, he's probably still more of a backup so early bird rights might be enough to get him back in the fold he, al- he also might be looking for a different opportunity if dennis smith has as good a year as we're expecting yeah uh, but nonetheless if matthews were to opt out before we look at what they would have for noel they've got 42 million but noel if you pencil him in for 15 million now you're down to 27 if matthews opts into his 18 now you're really only at nine and so they do have have some flexibility but it's uh a lot of variables there and i mean i i think west probably would opt in he probably would be tradable there as well but a lot of it really depends on what we see happen this year they've also got jj Barea making 3.7 million that year that they could just try to move on from somehow 
but and Yogi Ferrell will be a restricted free agent as well he'll be arenas limited but maybe they'll feel comfortable with him as a backup point guard a lot of variables here though with Matthews and Noel for this Dallas team even with of course Dirk taking so little just because Matthews 18 million Harrison Barnes 24 million I mean those would be the only and Dwight Powell is another guy too at 9.6 million for 2018 uh, that really is kind of clogging things up there for them Denver has a tough spot because while I'm fully supportive of both getting Paul Millsap and the contract that they had what they're looking at is something Utah has had to deal with in the recent past which is players that are good but are getting big pay raises so Gary Harris is has a cap hold of 7.7 million he's going to get paid a lot more than that Nikola Jokic has a cap hold at the minimum he's going to get paid a lot more than that so yes they do at technically at the moment they might have a little bit of cap flexibility depending on what happens with Wilson Chandler and Darrell Arthur's player options but that money is mostly going if not all going to be gobbled up by paying those guys their money yeah and this is a team where using the small cap hold giving them big raises and firing off into the tax is probably not realistic for that market they could get some more breathing room by finding a partner for a trade partner for Kenneth Farine that could give them a little bit of flexibility but even then it's still going to be hard I mean there and and the other guy that we have to talk about a little bit is Will Barton like Will Barton has a super low cap hold but I don't know that they're really the right team to wield that to their advantage yeah and I don't anticipate that Barton would want to return there given how stacked they are in the backcourt the Detroit- Let's look at Detroit now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so Detroit, really, what they did with getting Avery Bradley was they kicked the can down the road for a year because now they're looking at the same luxury tax punishing deal as before, not helped by the fact that they're still going to have a $5.3 million hold for Josh Smith. So they're going to have Avery Bradley coming off the books, Anthony Tolliver because he got a one-year deal, and that's about it that's really coming off, and they're, you know, they're right at the fringe of the luxury tax this year. So when you think about a team getting killed by raises, Drummond, Reggie Jackson, those guys are going up. And while Tobias Harris and John Luer are going down, that doesn't give them enough wiggle room to make this work. Yeah, without Avery Bradley, whom presumably they will break the bank to re-sign, they are looking at already $6 million over the cap. So basically about $20 million between the cap and the tax Avery Bradley is going to make more than 14 million so again they're going to be in a potential cost-cutting mode they've got Boban making 7 million they've got Galloway making 7 million as well that's another reason here why that contract I felt was so insane for a guy that's kind of a redundant player if you're now either have to give up assets to move him to stay out of the tax and maybe they play well enough that Tom Gores will be back interested in paying the tax again but really not much variation Bradley is their only major free agent. Other than that, they've just got Anthony Tolliver. They've got Reggie Bullock as well, making 2.5 million non-guaranteed. And Eric Moreland is got non-guaranteed. But really, I mean, they're locked in unless they make some kind of a move. Drummond making 25 million, Jackson making 17 million, Harris uh, almost 15 million. I mean, those are and then the role players ain't cheap either. No, no, they are not. So the Warriors are this is kind of what happens when you have a lot of moving pieces one year is that they sign multi-year deals and then the next year is a lot more stable. Durant has a player option. He is likely to decline. The big drama with him is going to be whether he will use non-bird to just sign a one-year contract or whether he will 
use early bird to sign a longer contract, which that could move him up to his maximum and give max raises, but it couldn't be a five-year deal. So we'll just see what he wants there. Then all of their other guys are are unrestricted free agents other than Patrick McCaw. McCaw will be arenas limited, meaning that another team cannot offer him a deal starting at for the first two years at more than the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, but the non-taxpayer mid-level exception is a whole lot richer now than it used to be. Yeah, the Warriors really are going to have to start getting some cheap production out of their centers so that they don't have to pay Salza Pachulia that much. I mean, they have a lot of these guys who are kind of at the minimum right now, but even with only nine players under contract at the moment and and a draft pick included in that nine, they're already looking at 24 four million over the tax and 62 million in tax payment with Kevin Durant's capital which would be about 32 million he of course could get up to the max which would be 35.7 million as well and if he takes that then you're looking at even more tax payments and this that would be their last year in Oakland but unlike this year really Durant again would be the only guy who would be eligible to take less and this is why I think some teams think McCaw is gettable because if you just give him even a salary starting at the mid-level, $8 million, that's going to be like $25 million that the Warriors have to actually pay in terms of cash. So he could well be gettable. There's always the chance as well, maybe, that they could move Sean Livingston, who's making $8.3 million, or even maybe Andre Iguodala, depending. But that, that would really break up some of the good vibes that, that they've had so far. The Rockets have some real risk, but I don't think that they have a lot of flexibility because Chris Paul, unrestricted free agent, Trevor Reza, unrestricted free agent, agent Clint Capella restricted but even if they shed all that money it's not like they would be flexible from a cap perspective no it isn't and that's part of why Paul will have them over a barrel but they'll have him too because there's so much that they can pay him in that fifth year that he's not gonna be able to get anywhere else when he'll be you know 37 years old but for the 33 year old Paul it's going to be a really interesting season. Can he maintain his production and how much is playing with James Harden going to hurt his numbers? All of those are interesting considerations. And then bringing back Trevor Ariza will be a really interesting one at age 33, but really still their only guy who's can make threes and defend on the wing. They don't have another natural three on this roster other than him. Those are the hardest guys to find in the league. He's got versatility to guard one through four, but he's going to be 33. He's going to want a big contract. They'll have no way to replace him that's going to be another one of these difficult ones and it it parallels Iguodala also that losing him he's a popular guy with some of the key players on the team that losing him would make them unhappy so he gains a little bit of leverage that way too right exactly and if Paul gets the max at 35.7 million they're basically already right at the tax and that's with nothing for Ariza or Capella and there's no way you're bringing those guys back for less than 20 million combined so you're looking at 20 million into the tax again a Ryan Anderson dump might be the way to get out of that but if you're bringing salary back or if they make that trade for Carmelo Anthony taking on even more salary something's gonna have to give you would think unless and remember that they're for sale as well so as a new owner gonna want to come in and be like oh yeah by the way here's 60 million in uh, luxury tax pay for you that's gonna be real interesting too that sale likely will be consummated by the end of the year what sort of a temperament that new owner will have and how close they actually look to beating the Warriors. i mean this could be another one of those things where it's like well we're not even close to being the Warriors like why should we pay this absolutely astronomical amount in tax the Indiana Pacers will not be paying oh 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 we have to do an ad read here I always like to do it before the most exciting team in the league which of course is the Indiana Pacers but if you want to do maybe get tickets to see Houston and Golden State instead the teams we just did SeatGeek is the best way to do that 
my time is the most valuable thing that I have in my life at this point. I even read an article recently that the happiest people are those who are willing to find ways to do things more efficiently and open up their free time. And that's what SeatGeek is designed to do in two ways. Number one, they aggregate ticket buying sites together. You don't have to go to a bunch of different sites. Now you can have the peace of mind to know that SeatGeek is putting the deals in front of you all on their extremely easy to use app. And then the second part of it too is that they rank every ticket based on value. So if you can just find generally the section you want to sit in, you pick whichever one is the best value. You don't have to compare based on row or being three seats to the left, or which one is a better deal. SeatGeek could just tell you that. So now you're done buying your tickets in just a few swipes, what used to be a 15, 20 minute process with a lot more stress as well. SeatGeek takes the stress and the time out of buying tickets. The way to get started with SeatGeek is by downloading their app and entering that familiar cap space code, which we've been talking about, of course, all program. That'll get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Once again, download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code CAPSPACE, and you'll get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase and save a bunch of time as well. So yes, now that we've given the listeners the incredible cliffhanger that is the Indiana Pacers offseason. Well, it's kind of going to be a cliffhanger for them because there are some significant elements of it that are outside of their control. Corey Joseph, we expect to opt out. He has a player option about $7.9 million. He can just do better, whatever he's going to do. And then, Thaddeus Young, about 14 million player option for him. But then they have the army of partially guaranteed contracts. Boyan, his partial guarantee, I have it at 1.5 million. Darren Collison at 2 million. Al Jefferson at four, which very well could be stretched depending on how they want to approach cap space over multiple seasons. And they just stretched Monte. So who knows what they're going to do there. But I mean, so they could, they could go in a lot of different directions. They could have max space. Not that I think they would be using it on a single player unless Paul George really wants to come back. And they could use that though to extract assets from any of these myriad other teams that want to get out of money. Yeah, they could have a ton of cash, especially if Young were to opt out. They get rid of all these non-guarantees. Corey Joseph opts out. They could get up to probably, you know, around 60 million in space. They really have nothing on the books other than Lance Stevenson, Miles Turner, DeMontis Simonis, TJ Leaf, like all rookie scale contracts. And Victor Oladipo. But, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, he's up at the top of my sheet, uh, but was included in that figure. So I would anticipate, though, Darren Collison, probably someone they'd want to keep around if he plays at all at the level that he's been at. One of Joseph Young, you think, would, would opt in. So they probably would be in the 30 to 40 million in space range. Again, you mentioned the max slot as being a possibility, but uh, who's going to want to go there with them likely having an unexciting year this year is difficult to say. Uh, the Clippers are in another interesting situation. DeAndre Jordan likely to opt out of his 24 million. I actually misspoke when I said it was 22 earlier to try to get a longer term deal. Austin Rivers, Wes Johnson making 12 and 6 million respectively. I expect both of them to opt in, Johnson in particular. They've also got a non guarantee of Pat Beverly, which they probably will almost certainly guarantee unless he just suffers a, a horrific injury. So they're looking at not really having much space, even without DeAndre Jordan. I've got them with about 6 million in space remaining and that's another situation where all right if they're still trying to be good maybe they're willing to just pay some astronomical amount for jordan hey why not they're already doing it for blake griffin but they've got gallo on the books as well 
or maybe if they just aren't that good this year they finally decide all right we're going to try and trade blake maybe we'll try and trade gallo and really rebuild and there's not a ton on the books other than griffin and gallo as of now for the summer of 2019 but of course if they re-sign jordan that could change very quickly yeah this is another challenge of kind of being committing a little bit too much for me for this year is i think pivoting is harder for them because gallinari's contract unless he has a really good year that could look like negative value kind of like batum's does and blake griffin it's it's a risk going that that way as well and they're going to be too good to really to to push down in that way there are other notable free agents lou williams is going to be unrestricted i'm guessing he'll head elsewhere just because there's a really you know it's not really the right place for him montrez harrell restricted we talked about him in the player section and then willie reed who they signed he's going to hope to pull a i guess maybe a better than Dwayne Dedman, but a guy who can kind of take a smaller role on a good team and then make the most of it and try to get money somewhere else. The Lakers, of course, are the fascinating one. If you're someone who really follows this stuff closely, you'll note that their plan presumably is to get to double max space. Julius Randle has a $12 million cap hold, which would be required, of course, to make him restricted, but they could always pull his qualifying offer. And if they do that, they project to have $47.8 million in space. However, if they want to bring in LeBron James and Paul George, they would need about $66 million in space. Huh, you know who makes uh, about the difference between 66 million and 48 million? The guy they should one of the guys they shouldn't have signed in 2016. Yeah, Dang making 18 million and then do 18.8 million the year after that. Jordan Clarkson will be making 12.5 million. So that makes up 30 million in salary that they could try to get off of. Those guys hopefully won't be just complete dead salary, but it will take some assets likely to move either of those gentlemen and they would be losing Randall as well if they don't get their guy they could always look to re-sign Randall we'll see what kind of year he has he's one of the more interesting players this season a guy who could really benefit perhaps from playing with Lonzo Ball and getting a little more spacing he'll actually I think really benefit from having Brooke Lopez there as well where he can really go to work in the interior with Lopez spacing the floor from free point range we noted also that Contavious Caldwell Pope is a free agent as is Brooke Lopez and perhaps they could look to bring those guys back if the dream of the double max does not materialize Memphis is still a question mark because Jermichael Green and Tony Allen are still in the market. I mean, I expect that both of them will be back in some form and on multi-year contracts. That's my expectation. And if that's the case, then they're in a similar spot to this year where they're figuring out how they're going to make this work with the luxury tax. Yeah. Another team that really is kind of capped out without anything for Green or Tony Allen. They're basically right at the cap. So they won't be terrible. Again, there's about 20 million between the cap and the tax not an organization that's likely to pay the tax and it, it so much of course depends again on, on what Chandler Parsons can be able to give them if they have like a legitimate three man on the roster then they're kind of set if he isn't able to give them anything then they might be looking to try and re-sign Tyreek Evans who's on a one-year deal James Ennis will be a free agent if they want to keep his cap hold on the books that would only be 3.9 million but again they could run into tax issues trying to re-sign him with early bird rights for much more than his cap hold and Ennis is an effective player especially if Parsons doesn't give them enough he's their other reasonable facsimile of a three-man on the roster yeah they're going to have a, a tough situation with that and then 
they're yeah, I mean they're gonna have, they have a lot of guys that are around the minimum, and as valuable as that is, those guys do start to add up a little bit when you're trying to figure out how you're gonna pay the tax or if you're gonna try to avoid it. Miami, they're locked in pretty much at this point. You know, they're they're gonna be a little bit under the tax, assuming they don't bring back Wayne Ellington, who will be unrestricted, and maybe this will be the time that Mr. Miami Udonis Haslam is gone. But then the big problem for them that they're gonna have to deal with is Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson will be a restricted for agent. He will not be arenas limited i believe because this will be his third year if, if i'm remembering that correctly and i think i am and then they also will deal with the restricted free agency of ocaro white who could get some interest around the league because he might be gettable i don't think he's an amazing player but if a team thought they wouldn't have to break the bank to get him they might try yeah, right now they're basically with Richardson's cap hold on the books. They're ten million over the cap. That's without anything for Ellington, and of course they've got that big bump up from Tyler Johnson. He goes up to nineteen million this next year in, in twenty eighteen. So Richardson have to imagine something in the range of ten million a year it could be about right for him, depending on how he plays. Maybe it'll be less than that. But then you're pretty much right at the tax, and this is a team that's been willing to pay the tax before. But how good are they will be another question as to whether they're willing to, in fact, do that. Because if they're, you know, the fifth seed in the East and they won 45 games and kind of backed in to being that good by default because there's nobody else who's really a threat in the East, then maybe they're not as willing to pay the taxes they would if they're like, all right, you know, we're the three seed and we're actually LeBron James is leaving and we actually could delude ourselves into thinking that we could get out of the east this year so a lot of it depends on how they play what happens in the rest of the east as well and then the other component of the how well they do is because the next year justice winslow will get a raise because that will be when he's a restricted free agent but they also will have player options for tyler johnson who will pick it up in all likelihood goran dragic and Hassan whiteside so they might be sitting there going well crap if we pay josh richardson a bunch of money this team is going to get really expensive really quickly the bucks do get some relief for next year with the expiration of Greg Monroe's contract. I think in their long-term planning, when they initially signed him to that, they didn't expect him to opt in. And now that they have, they've been constrained by the tax this year. We'll see whether they make any kind of a roster move to reduce other long-term salary. John Henson, certainly a redundant piece at this point with Tony Snell's new contract on the books as well. They actually would be looking at about $11 million in space, but that's uh, with Jabari Parker's $20 million cap hold on the books, which they would need, of course, to, to make him a restricted free agent. Much depends on how Jabari looks coming back this year. I, that seems to be a great potential for a stalemate there. But they at least would have the ability probably to use their full mid-level exception next season. Yeah, I, th- I think we're just going to pretty much see that. Maybe they also use the biannual. They could go that direction. So use both of those and that spends up most of their space. And then they kind of wait, wait a year. And then at, uh, in 2019, Del Vidova and Henson will both be expiring contracts. And Toledovich will be in Toledovich will already have been off their books because it's a three-year deal. Minnesota basically used up all their space, especially if they get Wiggins at the max, they will be well over the cap. But Wiggins cap hold as having been the number one pick is 22 million. So they're really only getting another two or three million or so in extra space below the max. And that's part of why maybe it makes sense to extend him at this point, because it's not like they can go out and use space and they've got so much money on the books now, as well, having used their space on Teague, Taj Gibson, etc., that they could even be at the point now where they're close enough to the tax that they wouldn't be able to use 
revenues at their full mid-level exception without further cost-cutting moves. They also will have to deal with restricted free agency for Bielitsa and a player option for Jamal Crawford at 4.5 million. I don't think he'll have too much, Crawford will have too much leverage to try to get more than that just because they'll be limited with non-bird and everything else, but we'll have to see how they handle it. Yeah, Crawford, did we mention that he has a player option for next year? I don't know that we did, but he does. Yes, I think that one slipped past me initially. I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable I, at, to get another $8 million guaranteed. Now we know why he was willing to give up as much as he did from the Hawks. He actually came out like a bandit in that transaction. So with him, I think that's something that could end up being kind of ugly by the end there. I mean, he's going to be... 38 next year and although he looks the same he has been dropping off of late so i would expect him to opt into that but he could be the difference between their ability to use uh, the full mid-level or not and this is a team that i think is going to have some holes especially on the wing Wake me up if you've heard this before, stop me if you've heard this before, but the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be leveraged by a star player because if they lose him, they basically have no ability to re-sign anybody, to sign anybody else in their place. Yeah, the hope for the Pels at this point is that they would finally be able to maybe move some of that money of uh, Omer Ashik, who would be due $11 million, but then would only have $3 million guaranteed the next year, so $13 million in dead money might finally actually be movable. Alexis Ajinsa, $5 million as well. And even with Cousins cap hold on the books, which would be $27 million, so not quite as much as the max he could make, which would be a little over $30 million. They've got a few other guys expiring, like Quincy Pondexter, who's a non-guarantee for Darius Miller. But they're still going to be in big trouble because they're essentially right at the tax even before they give Cousins that max contract. So they almost certainly are going to have to do something with Ashik and Ajinsa unless they want to pay the tax. I really, uh, maybe Hill, Etwan Moore could be candidates to be moved as well. But I mean, they're going to be paying AD $25 million, Holiday $26 million, and Cousins $30 million. If you then also have some other bad contracts on the books, that's how you get into the tax for a pretty mediocre team. For the 2018-19 season, the Knicks have already committed almost $50 million to Noah, Hardaway Jr., and Courtney Lee, which means that they're going to have a lot less flexibility, even if they were able to get scot-free out of the early termination year in Carmel anthony's contract yeah if he's around they're basically capped out and also kyle quinn could opt into his deal as well and and even if anthony leaves and i mean there's how are they there's no way that they can get out of that without taking back salary there aren't any teams that he would want to go to that can just take on 26 million this year or or the 27 million next year maybe the lakers would be the only place that he might be willing to go if uh lebron goes there as well and they can't get paul george or something like that but otherwise they're gonna have to take back salary so they really are out of the free agent market for next year as well unless because they're not gonna buy out anthony from that year completely and i think the odds of him opting out are extremely low especially because i think he'll have some leverage on them because if they don't want him to be there then he could say yeah i'll opt i'll opt in and then i'll get most of my money and maybe i'll give back a couple million but a couple millions a whole lot less than 27 and he's not going to make that back anywhere else so why not squeeze a little harder they also will have to deal with the restricted free agency for kuzminskis i don't think he's going to get a ton of money but that still matters they'll have early bird rights on him so it'll be arenas limited and then they gave rod baker a player option so ron baker will have not only if he opts out will he have a, a a high qualifying offer but i mean it's just it's just an amazing circumstance yeah to be a team in the position that the knicks are really mid table in the eastern 
conference has nots have nots would be better actually to say that but and have no possible way really of getting cap space for two more years i mean that's really just incredible also porzingis will be extension eligible next year and who will have a 17 million dollar cap hold for 1920 yeah so not a lot of extra space that they can derive there based on even if they give him the max you're only probably getting maybe eight million or so nine million or so in extra space there okc they will definitely be in real interesting shape with the tax they of course have and that's if they're able to get westbrook and george to return but i'm guessing they're going to pay them if they do that doug mcdermott you would think almost certainly will be gone ennis Cantor, that 18 million he's you have to imagine he will opt into that Kyle Singler, a potential stretch candidate, or maybe just that they could move him during this year to lower their tax bill because they're in the tax this year as well. But if they bring back Westbrook and Paul George and Cantor opts in and they're looking at almost $20 million into the tax and really an enormous tax payment. And if Paul George leaves, that also makes it very hard to replace him because they won't really have any cap space there. Cantor could be a possibility for one of those late in the summer moving him to a team. there is a team that just strikes out on space but the problem is the teams that end up in that position now are going to probably wait on it to try to leverage other teams they're not just going to be like hey i'd rather just spend 18 million of that on ennis canner instead of saying they will be able to extract assets in january or february from a team that's trying to get under the tax or just trying to get out of some of their money so if they were to lose westbrook and george they would, wouldn't even have that much space left. They would be about $24 million, and that's not even including McDermott's cap hold either. So uh, if they lose those guys, it's going to be a pretty damn painful rebuild uh, for OKC. They Becoming competitive for next year really would just not be in the cards. And Sam Presti has certainly done the tank and use high draft picks thing before, and that presumably would be the plan if those two guys leave. Orlando, as was kind of the case this year, though actually it's going to be even more pronounced, they just don't have much flexibility. They are they can structure things in all likelihood unless they have to pay a ton of money to Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon where they won't be a tax team. But really, they're going to be dealing with one of the mid-level exceptions. Like, that's really going to be what they're dealing with, however they can do that. That is also why they have a, a tougher decision with Mario Hazonia. I mean, Hazonia has a, it's a team option that they have to decide on this year for $5.2 million. That's a lot of money for a team that doesn't have much flexibility and that if he has another disappointing year, would be hard to move. So they, they have a, to figure that out. They gave us a, a second guaranteed season to Wesley Wundu, so they'll have to deal with that. And presumably, they will have a lottery pick, so that will take away some of their financial flexibility as well, though they do have a non-guarantee for Shelvin Mack. Yeah, if they even if they move on from Mack, if they keep Hazonia around, and you're basically looking at trying to extend Gordon and Peyton, and they would have about $30 million below the tax combined to do that. I think they would be hard-pressed to get both of those guys in and be below the tax. And just, again, the craziness of a team like this having to dodge the tax with rookie extensions. I mean, they just have so much long-term money on the books here. And this is not a team where you want to make a cost-cutting move involving a future first-rounder. I did like the the John Simmons contract. That's one that might be movable. But you've got guys like DJ Augustin, Biombo, Terrence Ross, and Nikola Vukovic are, are, Vucevic are like okay contracts, probably both negative value at this point. So to just have all these guys who are kind of meh, and now you're actually running into some financial constraints is pretty remarkable considering where this team is. Well, and then think about the idea of Philly. even... 
pushing, yeah, pushing into the like by near the luxury tax for a team like this. You know, I, I we've made that a threshold for a good reason. But I, I could imagine if they're you know let's say they're out of the playoff picture in the East, that ownership's going to be sitting there like, why are we even going to pay that much for this team? Philly depends a little bit on their draft picks. They and they also have uh, Anzech Pashniks who could be coming over as early as next season. They've got their own first. They've got that Lakers first that may or may not stick with them. But I, I'm projecting them right now with the cap hold for Joel Embiid, which is 18 million, at having about 35 million in space. But that doesn't include a potential renegotiation and extension for Robert Covington. If he makes maybe about 12 million after the renegotiation and extension, that cuts into that, of course. And so they may not have a, a max slot, especially if they extend Embiid for more than his $18 million cap hold. I think that is another reason why. I think that that 7 million between his cap hold and the max could be a very important number when you're talking about trying to compete for some of the, the best free agents. And they could certainly move some money as well. But this is where things like that terrible contract contract for Jared Bayless making 8.5 million it comes into play to where now like they could easily have max space even if they renegotiate an extended Covington if they didn't have Bayless you know that'll be in the last year of his contract they could probably just move him or stretch him or something if they absolutely needed to but it still is not a good contract and who would you be targeting if you were them? I mean Bradley and KCP are kind of the two most obvious candidates uh, just getting a three and D type of guy at the two I think think you make a call to Paul George I, I wouldn't expect him to say yes but I think you reach out there as well he would be you know more of a win now type guy but you know depending on what happens in LA that could be an option for them I mean they could if they show a lot this year like let's say they make the playoffs they could be intriguing for that Danny Green is a little bit older I would skew more towards KCP and Bradley due to age reasons but y- y- you reach out there but so there are a lot of guys they don't need a, a just a massive player at that spot so they actually will be in a pretty good spot that's actually why when we had the conversation about their offseason grades, I was a little rosier on them because they they won't necessarily have their pick of the litter, but they actually have a lot of guys that are options. Yeah, they could even bring back Redick as well, making twenty three million this year if they don't find much else. And this year is going to tell us a lot if Embiid stays healthy the whole year, if. Fultz and and Simmons are both able to play winning basketball as rookies then maybe it makes sense to really try and go for it overpay for someone on a long-term deal who's a great fit if you look like hey we're just not really that close to being a good team you know if we're not making the playoffs this year which could easily happen or there are more injury concerns with some of their guys then maybe it makes more sense to just keep the powder dry go for more one one year deals keep open some cat space to take on some bad contracts uh well, that's uh, kind of thing something else we don't know where they're going to be you see something else i want to mention is that they also the benefit which a couple of other teams have dealt with in the past the nuggets were actually here a couple of years ago that a lot of their other guys don't get paid for a couple of years so ben simmons won't hit his new contract until 2020 Fultz until 2021 so spending on like a three-year contract kind of like what Millsap got wouldn't be devastating for their long-term finances it would kind of lock them in but it, but it wouldn't it wouldn't exacerbate their situation phoenix you've made the point danny that they really just don't have that much space if you look at with them having tj warren's cap hold still on the books they really are like six million in space if they were going to try and use money now that we've put in their own first rounder and then they're projected to get miami's as well that eats up another seven million or so out of their projection 
So they probably would just be operating as an over-the-cap team, most likely, as long as they keep Warren around. But he may not be part of the plans anymore if Josh Jackson gives them what they hope this season. But yeah, this is another team where like, hey, and that doesn't even count anything for Alex Len either. And Len is out there as a restricted free agent right now. Don't know what he's going to bring him back for. It doesn't sound like a long-term deal for him is in the cards at the moment, but maybe something would be. And especially if they say, hey, we're not going to have space anyway, maybe we might as well just not let this guy go for nothing. Uh, Whether he's even worth that hard to say but yeah this is another team that's like a bad team that's pretty capped out for quite some time here and they're not the last one that we're going to talk about in this we still have a few teams left and there's one more that fits this bill too yeah in fairness they do have a much more flexibility in 2019 yeah. uh, when Bledsoe Tyson Chandler Jared Dudley all come, come off the and, books and, there and actually I, well. I would preach patience for them as well because that will be an opportunity to really do something I mean whatever happens with Bledsoe that could be a different circumstance but with Chandler and Dudley they might get tempted to like oh look we can get x player for x dollars so if we stretch them or something like that that just throws more money on their books so if it's the right guy sure they can consider that but otherwise they could actually be players in in 2019 1920 and that will be the year that Devin Booker has a low cap hold because he was drafted so late. Portland escaped to some degree from luxury tax hell but still projected right at the tax with Yusuf Nurkic's cap hold which is 8 million so they would have about 7 million to work with under the tax without him in the fold and still have some dead salary they could get off the books Myers Leonard I mean could if they're willing to pay up of course Myers Leonard most salient among those I think though that they probably are going to be stuck paying the tax again next year. They really are going to want to get out of it this year. They barely got out of it last year. The fact that they probably will be in it next year if they bring back Nurkic at market value. He seems another guy, as you mentioned, who could be headed for the Nerlens Noel type of stalemate as a big guy with some talent, but may not have a market on the restricted free agent list but that's why i think they really are it behooves them to get down and out of the tax this season because it's going to be very hard to avoid it next year at this moment they also have restricted free agency for noah vonley and shabazz napier who i expect will not make it to restricted free agency because they will decline at whatever they have to do and then ed davis and davis that's part of the reason because he's an expiring contract that i could see him being a part of that dump because they just won't really have the flexibility to retain him so why not see if somebody wants him right now maybe nobody does but they can go after that and then they'll have a a non-guarantee for jake layman as well and they have their own first round pick so that will take some of the money as well though i think they're on the playoff they're they're in the probably in the late part of the playoffs, so that doesn't add that much to their books so sacramento another one of these teams that's projected to be real bad and they're not gonna have any space they're projected to have the number two pick by kp right now which chops another 7.3 million in room off i'm projecting that costa kufos and garrett temple will Will both opt into their player options to add another 16 million to their roles the only guy they signed this year who comes off the books is vince carter they got guys getting raises so they're looking at really about 10 million in space for next year and that's uh obviously not very much for a team that's not looking that good they really are probably not gonna have much of a way to get better other than just internal improvement from their young guys and with the, that draft pick which they do actually have 2019 of course is gone already unprotected but this is part of why, and maybe they won't get, if they're projected at number two, I think the odds are they'll be a little bit higher than that just due to luck and because a lot of those teams are clustered around in the same area. 
but then you would hope that they could have just signed free agents next summer and then been better in a year than they don't have their pick but it, it seems like they kind of did that backwards and just there's not uh, unless like these guys who are young just turn out to be absolute studs which i don't necessarily see that guy among their stable although there are some intriguing talents there i don't see a future superstar they're still mired in the muck uh, for the foreseeable future although then in uh the summer of 2019 they would have much more space yeah, they would have a ton of flexibility then but then they're also getting close to some of their young guys actually getting paid you know so in 2019-20 they would be one year away from healed getting paid one year away from scal getting paid so are they really going to throw a ton of money into that year and then see some of those guys start to get raises San Antonio, much depends, of course, on the player options there. If Danny Green and Rudy Gay and LaMarcus Aldridge all opt out, they could get about $40 million in space, enough to maybe attract a, a max guy. They would still basically, their team would basically just be Kawhi, Pau Gasol, Patty Mills, and a few younger guys, Derek White, DeJounte Murray. Uh, they'll have uh, Davis Bertans as a restricted free agent. Kyle Anderson will be a restricted free agent. I'm not including those guys in that number. But it seems unlikely to me that all three of those guys would opt out. And this is where, to me, that Gasol contract really ends up hurting them quite a bit. He's due $16.8 million next season. Yeah, so he and Patty Mills are going to combine for about 30 next year. That's a lot of money for those two guys. And yeah, neither of those guys is really a starter to me at this point. On, on, a, on a team as team. good as they're hoping to be they also it's it kind of feels like given their mo that nikola militinov will be involved in it at some form and i think he's better than getting the livio jean charles but he might even just take up some of their money just because they have to you know they'll sign him because they feel like they should and you know they have a lot of these restricted low-end restricted free agents that they like and they gave joffrey laverne a player option so congratulations on that and yeah i think san antonio <laughs> san antonio could be just way less flexible than we hope for and that what could have been a really high ceiling summer for them that ceiling has dropped and the floor has i would say the floor has decreased a little bit too maybe a lot of it Toronto, not going to have the space really to do anything. They do have Norman Powell as a restricted free agent. Bebe and Bruno Caboclo, perhaps less sexy there, but Powell, they'll have full bird rights on him. He'll have a cap hold under $2 million, but certainly a guy you would think would be in demand as a two-way player on the wing thus far in his career. But they're basically almost at the tax, even without any extra money for him. And again, this is going to be another one of those teams where, all right, if they play pretty well this year, maybe they'll green light a little bit of the tax, keep him around. If they don't, then maybe it's time to move Jonas Valanciunas. He's the, the biggest guy you think could be the next luxury tax casualty there. But good luck once again, moving a center, even one who has some usefulness, at least during the regular season, as Valanciunas does. And how much is Powell going to get? Are they going to be willing to pay the tax if they're going to pay him into eight figures, which is something that I think a contract he'd deserve if he continues to develop at the rate that he has. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for them. And as you said, the center, the center situation is going to be just, it's going to be a sticking point for a lot of these teams that maybe they thought that was kind of a, a break glass in case of emergency situation. And it's not that way anymore. Utah has a lot of flexibility just because they signed a lot of players to team-friendly contracts. They could clear as much as like Derek Favors, Joe Johnson, Tabo has a non-guarantee, early non-guarantee. Jarebko has an early non-guarantee. Ekpe Udo. I expect them to keep Hood and Exum in some form, so that does lower their flexibility and both those guys. I think those guys collectively will make more than $20 million. I just don't know how it's going to be a portion. And then, so so they, they could have some flexibility, but I think they're largely going to keep it the same by and large. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And then another pretty boring team, 
Washington. Just no way that they're going to have any type of space. They will be abutting the tax once again. They gave Jody Meeks a player option, which I didn't realize at the time. Uh, Jason Smith has one as well. I highly suspect that all of them will opt in. And with purely existing commitments right now, they are already $7 million into the tax. And that is without having a backup point guard. Tim Frazier will be a free agent. They would have early bird rights on him. They could also decline the option of Chris McCullough. In fact, I expect them to do that. That could open up a little bit more space as well there's also a a team building lesson here because they don't have the low cost base of guys on rookie scale contracts kelly Oubre is the only player that they're going to have if they lose mccullough that will be on one that year and so they have to pay money for guys like jody meeks and jason smith instead of getting them for these lower prices even if they're you know getting those guys in the post lottery getting one or two rotation players that way would probably keep would have kept them under the tax all right, I think that'll do it. Uh, anything you want to say uh, before? I guess this is the last time we're going to hear from you for a few weeks. So, uh, well, we'll see if we we have to do we have to do we have to do an emergency podcast because something crazy happens. Well, I'll try to find time on the train to do that. But yeah, I'm I I will still be releasing Real Jam Radio podcast during the time I've already recorded to doing a third one tomorrow. I'm going to release the Atlantic Division capsule, so that's talking about all all five of the Atlantic Division teams with Tim Bontemps and Jared Weiss. That'll come out Thursday or Friday and then recording on the Central Division with you and Dan Feldman. And then I already recorded on the Southeast with Adi Joseph and Mike Prada. Those will come out while I'm gone. All right. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget about our sponsors for today's episode. And we'll talk to you all next time. We're going to get into some team previews very shortly. Not sure exactly who that's going to be yet, but you will find out on either Sunday or Monday. Talk to you all then. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.